Let's hear some of that movie chat. Credits roll by and I tip my hat. Credits roll by, I wanna know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat. Credits roll by, tell me who did that. Life in the credits is where I wanna play. Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is the show where we learn about entertainment by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan. And I'm Ben. And today we're discussing the film Triangle of Sadness. And joining us today is our guest, Rihanna Sorensen. So welcome, Rihanna. Hey, Thanks Rihanna. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thanks for having yeah. me. <laughs> of course, we're very excited to chat with you today. So can you get us started by telling us a little bit about what you do in the entertainment world? Yes. My official title is Senior Development Coordinator for the unscripted side of the industry. Um, so I work more in like the reality TV realm. Okay. A production company called Fullwell 73, um, which is James Corden's production company known as The Late Late Show. Former Late Late Show. Yeah, yeah just recently, <laughs> yeah. So what exactly are your job responsibilities? Like, what does your day-to-day look like? Yeah, so in development, it's fun because it's literally just coming up with ideas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what shows we want to, like, make, so... A lot of it is just a lot of brainstorms, like sometimes given a topic of like, let's focus on a business show, just kind of what it seems like the market is looking for, just based off our contacts at networks and stuff. Um, So yeah, then we'll just like all kind of come up with a few ideas, shoot them around, see what we like, and then develop it out and then hopefully take it out to pitch and then hopefully someone buys it. So do you generate all those ideas yourself or do you ever have people submit like, hey, we think this would be a great show or like we have this business that I think would really be a really fun um, thing to put on TV? Yeah, it's definitely a mix. Like for we have a development team and there's about seven of us. Um, And with that, we're coming up with our own ideas. But then we also get in weekly like incoming submissions from independent like development producers. Oh, okay. We work with um, a lot of agencies, so they'll have clients that have ideas. So a lot of them are looking for a production company to partner with them just to like take it to the next level. So it's a lot of incoming submissions in that as well, where we'll get a bunch of them and then we'll discuss like, oh, like this one's exciting. Or sometimes a lot of the time it's like, oh, we're already developing something in that space. Um, So it depends. But like we partnered with someone recently on a project and are taking it out to pitch like next week. So cool. Cool. So what kind of projects have you worked on? Yeah, I've been at the company for four years. So with that, it's been a nice evolution because kind of when I started, we had the Late Late Show. And we're just a lot in like the sports space and documentary space. Mm. And then when I came in, we did so we're kind of going more like game. Like we did a show for CBS called Game On, which was only had a season, but it was really fun. Yeah. yeah. And then I got to work on the Friends reunion special. That oh, was definitely cool. a highlight. We did the Jonas Brothers family roast. Um, last year, we had like the Elton John last performance at Dodger mm-hmm. Stadium. We did Encanto at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, wow. Adele for CBS. Yeah. So there's been a lot of, a lot of like music stuff. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, those have definitely been highlights. And then, of course, our kind of claim to fame right now is the Kardashians yeah. on Hulu. Yeah, definitely. Of course. Well, you mentioned taking a show to pitch. What does that process look like? And like, who are you pitching to? Are you p- pitching to different streaming services, different like TV stations? Yeah, so it's a mix. It depends on the project. Like okay. it's like, is this a broadcast network show? Is this like cable? Is a streamer? Um, So we have like a first look deal with CBS. So we always take it to them mm. first. Oh, okay. Um, So they have the option whether it's like, oh yeah, this is a Paramount Plus. This is CBS. Yeah. This is MTV, Comedy Central. 
Um, and then if they pass, then it's um, we can take it wherever. Okay. And then it, Got it. it depends like, oh, is this going to go to Netflix, Hulu, or is this going to go to Fox, ABC, that type yeah. of stuff. So yeah, I just, but we pretty much pitch almost every project everywhere okay. we can. Awesome. So what is the pitching process like? So we have an idea and usually when we're pretty like solid on it, we put it into like a pitch deck. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we are repped with CAA. So a lot of the time, our agent will kind of call around and be like, hey, Full 73 has this project. Okay. Are you open to hearing the pitch? Luckily, most people are always open to hearing the pitch unless they're yeah. like, no, we're absolutely not looking for like a food show. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, we're not going there. But like, say, if we're just looking, say it's like a survival competition show, most people will hear that. So yeah, then we just kind of set them up. And usually they're in like a month or like a few week time frame, and we pitch them to each place. And hope that someone is interested. Yeah. Um, and then from there, usually it goes into, it's like rare that someone's like, yes, greenlit, let's go. Right. Um, it's usually like, and that works like we're interested, let's get into a deal. Okay. And then from there, you're usually developing it further with that network you sold it to. Yeah. Um, and then getting it to the right place to actually be greenlit eventually. Nice. And sometimes they don't even get greenlit after that. So uh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And then are you involved if something is greenlit or do you just sort of hand it off or how does that work? Yeah, I think every production company is different. Mm-hmm. Um, our company is pretty hands-on, at least through the first season, cool. um, just in the experience I've seen. And then usually after the first season, like it are, it, that team's already formed, like they have a whole system going now. So then they kind of carry it on for the rest. Like that's like the Kardashians, for example, like they're pretty involved in that first season. And then now it's just like its own little machine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Usually for the first season, the development team, and we all kind of stay and oversee it for that process. From the time like a streaming service or a network purchases a show to when it's actually greenlit and starts being made. Are there a lot of changes that still happen even in that window from when, from the initial development? Yeah, definitely. Like we had a project recently that was set up with Freeform and that was in development with Freeform for like a year. Wow. And we're constantly just like reworking it, recasting it and getting it to a place. And then unfortunately, Freeform is no longer. Yeah. (laughs) But that project, for example, like we get it back so we can kind of rework it and repitch it if we wanted to. Oh, cool. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Is one of the reasons, because you mentioned like it can be purchased, but then never greenlit to be made. Is one of those reasons just because sometimes that process takes long if the market changes so drastically with that content? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, it depends. I think the market can change. Yeah. Like for like, like right now, all the, you know, networks yeah. are reshuffling, people are getting fired and brought right. in. So a lot of the time that person you develop the project with, oh, if okay. they get fired, then it's yeah. like... Right cleanse yeah (laughs) oh no uh, it's really interesting it's like sad but that's why you're kind of like you want to get something like quick as possible because you never know when that group might reshuffle Mm -hmm. and it's like every few years sometimes there's a reshuffle so it's interesting yeah (laughs) it is interesting so sounds like you know there's a a bunch of different things that you do does that mean your day-to-day is pretty different throughout your week or is it pretty consistent it depends on the week. Like these past few weeks, like my personal day to day has been a lot. Uh, we're working on sizzle, so I'm literally just looking up clips. Oh, okay. like how what to send to the editor and like music ideas and stuff like that. But then, like one week, if like we're getting ready to pitch a project, it's like getting all that stuff together. And then sometimes it's like we really like Netflix really wants a social experiment, so like everyone mm-hmm. bunker down and like come up with social experiment shows to pitch by the end of the week. So. 
it depends. It's a, which is exciting. It's nice that every day, every week's different. Nice. That's cool. Backing up a little bit. Can you tell us just sort of how you ended up in this career, just sort of your background, any education, huh. things like that? Yeah, it was a nice journey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I studied film and television in college. Okay. Didn't intend to do film and TV. I was going into school to do criminal justice. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. That's oh, one of my majors. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. And I took an econ class and I was really bad. And I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> luckily in college, you do a lot of this gen eds in yeah. your software year. And I took this acting class and then was just kind of learning about the industry a little bit. I was like, oh, this is fun. So then I made film and television my minor. Okay. And through that, I like fell in love with it. And I was like, oh, I could like. At that time, I didn't like know what I, I didn't want to be a director, right? But yeah. I was like, oh, I could like work on a show that was criminal. So then I could <laughs> solve my things. Yeah, <laughs> mix them all together. Totally. Yeah. So then made it my major by my junior year. So then I was kind of on that track from there. And then I had this like internship going into my senior year that summer. So I moved out to LA for the summer and was like, oh, I love LA. Then at that point, I was like, I'm just going to move to LA after college, yeah. like whatever. So in that process, like I knew I kind of wanted to take a break after college for a few months. So I wasn't rushing to like get a job right away. But then I was like, I'll move to LA. It was like the fall of 2016. I graduated in May okay. 2016. So by September, I had a couple of friends out here, moved out here, no job, and I had a place to live. And I feel like that's kind of the route. It's either like you have yeah. a job and a place yeah. to live. Or you have a place to live in no job. Yeah. <laughs> rare, rare you have both. Um, so yeah, I kind of did that and was hoping I would get something like I um, interviewed at all the agencies right. and I would be like crushed it, but then no one hired me. So mm. the agency route was not my path, which was maybe a blessing in disguise yeah. <laughs> at the time. So yeah, I worked a few odd jobs and then finally kind of got my foot in the door at Paramount Pictures. I was, I got entered into their page program, which was basically just a glorified tour guide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so luckily at the time that I started there, it was sold as a pipeline into Paramount. I was like, it'll yeah. be a tour guide, but you're also going to like cover desks and like around and all that. So it was very like glamorous feeling. Yeah. Um, and it was really fun. Like I loved that lot, met so many good people. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, I didn't want to do the assistant route though. I was kind of more yeah. interested in production. Yeah. So after like um, a year kind of doing the tour guide thing, it, and it was like a part-time job, I was like, oh, I love The Late Late Show. Like I've always been a fan of Late Late Show. Maybe late night would be fun. Maybe I want to be a writer. I don't know. So I, was, I had sights on, yeah. like I was looking at Kimmel, James Corden. So I was like, okay. And then luckily one day they were doing a panel, like a Peely Fest panel for The Late Late Show. Got a ticket, went by myself. And at the end of it, they were all kind of mingling and talking. And one of the executive producers was just kind of standing there. So I was like, just go up to him. And it went up. I was like, hey, like, I'm such a fan of the show. I'd love to pick your brain. Can I talk to you, meet you for yeah. coffee? And he was like, sure. So met him the next week for coffee, got to go to the Late Late Show offices. And it was like so exciting. And he was really nice and he was great. His name's Rob Crow. He's executive, he was executive producer on the show. Mm-hmm. And he was just so nice. And like he kind of kept the communication open. I kept emailing him, hoping he would offer me a job, but he didn't. But <laughs> he would kind of give me other people to talk to and meet. So from that point, I met a few other people that eventually led me to the late late show. And they're like, oh, you can be a day player, which is a part-time production assistant, yeah. basically. Right. 
So from there, I was a day player, the Late Late Show, also working at Paramount, did that for like a year, hoping that the Late Late Show, I could go full time, but there was just never an opportunity really at that point. So I was like, okay, got to go back to the assistant thing, tried doing like temp jobs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I looked into that. And I always recommend that's a good route to go for people. So I was looking at the temp route. And then in that time, a position at Fullwell 73 was opening up as an assistant to the head of Unscripted and the head of Scripted. And I knew everyone over there. At that point, I was there for like a year. So everyone knew who I was. I was like, okay, like I would love to interview. Interviewed for the job and didn't get it. Mm. (laughs) So I went and started doing the temp stuff for a while. And then like a couple months later, they called me and they're like, hey, can you actually come and like cover this desk for a while? Like it's not working out with the assistant we hired. So I went in and then have been there for four years basically. So yeah, it was a nice little shuffle, a lot of like the networking kind of stuff, but that's kind of a shorter version of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Yeah. When did you realize like you wanted to do the development side versus the production side? It was after being a PA. Yeah. <laughs> I loved like the the hustle of it. Like uh-huh. it was like I was running around all day, but I didn't like the hours. Like the hours yeah. were long. And I was like, okay, as much as I like moving around. And I always kind of knew from like a young age, I didn't want to work at a desk. Yeah. Um, an office job. But then, yeah, I was just kind of like, okay. And to go back onto the development side, I have to do the assistant route. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what pushed me to go that direction again. Um, but luckily with my experience at Fullwell, like it's a good kind of mix. Like when yeah. we do have a show in production, like we do get to go to set. Oh, cool. And, like experience yeah. that. And so that's like a combo I really like where yeah. it's like, oh, we'll be on a set for like a week or like a month. But then I go back to my desk or right. if it was full time that yeah. I don't think we can handle that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a nice mix and like your day-to-day doesn't get too rote. Like there's always something changing. And something yeah. Happens. And it's like, yeah. I'm at a desk, but it's like, I'm coming up with, yeah. Well, what's a food show I can come up with today. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. You get to like a lot of creativity and like playing yeah. Yeah, certain themes and topics and stuff. So, yeah. That's yeah. cool. So does that mean you have to watch a lot of TV in order to stay up on things? Yeah. And luckily I already do that. <laughs> I'm kind of always like in a sad way. It's like people are like, what are your hobbies? Be like, oh, I love ceramics or mm-hmm. I like hike. And I'm like, I honestly just watch television. <laughs> like my favorite thing is to just lay on the couch on like a Saturday and catch up on TV. I ingest probably more scripted content, yeah. but I love a Love Island or yeah. a trashy dating show. So it's, I think it's a good combo. But I will, I do like try and purposely watch more unscripted shows, especially as they're coming out, just to see like what's in the market. What are people making? What got greenlit? Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah, that's a good point. I think a lot of people are surprised when they think of reality TV about how much of it is scripted or planned. In your experience, how much do you guys really, you know, plan out sort of the arc of a season of a TV show um, versus just filming what happens? Yeah, I think it depends. Like, I remember when I started, I never would have guessed I'd work in unscripted. Like, when I moved to LA, I remember yeah. meeting people, like, oh, I work in, like, reality TV. It's like, ew, trash. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had such, like, a one idea of what reality TV was. Right, yeah. Like, coming in, I'm like, oh, unscripted. Like, that's late night. That's these other, these specials. It's, like, so much. And that's why I love it. Because yeah. it's, like, whatever's not, it's, like, scripted. And then, like, everything else is unscripted. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like kind of not like 
like for the Kardashians, for example, I'm not like necessarily tuned into the day to day, but like what I imagine it is, it's like we have our executive producer that sits with them before they start shooting. It's kind of like what's going on in your life mm. and that type of stuff. And that's like the plan of it. Okay. But they're not given like a script to read. Right. Right. It's more of like, oh, they're going to dinner next week and Kim has these issues with Courtney. Yeah. So like they'll probably talk about it there kind of thing. Um, So it's more of just like kind of big points that you're hitting. Yeah. But then like, for example, we had like our game on show for CBS. Like we had writers on that because we had a host and comedians and stuff. So that's scripted in a sense because they're just, they're not actors. Right. So they need to give a little push. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was interesting when I found out there were writers for reality shows, but it's not like they're really writing out every plot line. It's more like writing like intros and like, you know, in between yeah, exactly. jokes. Yeah. Yeah. For and sure. I think, yeah. I think if anything, it's not like for reality shows, like when you watch the bachelor or something, right. I don't work on that show. So I don't know, but it's like, it's more of like producers being yeah. involved. Yeah. Where it's like producers might be set to certain people on the show. So they're like, oh, you know, there's they stir the pot. Like that's yeah. definitely, I think, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> is pitching a game show versus like a music special versus a reality show, is that process similar? Or is it like you really do change kind of like how you pitch things and how you work on them, depending on what you're making? Yeah, I think the pitching process is always the same. It's kind of, it's just, you're just going off of like, this is the show and like you are selling it to whoever you're pitching it to. Right. And like, obviously certain things have different tones. Luckily at the company I work at, everything is pretty much lighthearted and has a comedic tone or a good feel tone. So, but if like we were pitching like a true crime, like you might approach that a little differently (laughs) on a music show. Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. What's the biggest challenge in your job that maybe you didn't expect? I think I knew this, but didn't realize like it, how, not how true it was, but I was like, oh, that, that's real. It's just kind of like the rejection in a way where it's like, you know, you're pitching ideas and it's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) No, And it's like, but that's it. You know, it's like, obviously not everything's going to be good. So I think that at least in my like job, it's kind of like, oh, that's like been a really good skill though. Like I'm not precious to anything because it's like, you know, we're a team. So it's like, it's nice in that way. But sometimes early on, it was just me and like one other person. It would just be constantly like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And it's like, no, 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 go back, come back. And it's like, okay, it's all like part of the creative process. It makes you kind of work harder and expand your brain more and think differently. So it's all been beneficial. Mm -hmm. But I think just like the hearing no thing, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's real. (laughs) Yeah, that's tough. You got to develop a thick skin. Definitely. Yeah. And it's like, and that, like, I learned that really early on when I was like applying and interviewing all these agencies. I yeah. was like, oh, like, of course I'll get hired at an agency. Right. Like, <laughs> it's tough yeah. out here. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're pitching, how rare is it to get a yes? It's pretty rare. I can't think of like a time recently where it's just like, yes. <laughs> but it is like, like, there's times where like there's people that are like, oh, like, let's let's get into this like it's kind of like a pre yes yeah (laughs) sure so those I think that's like a little we can get that like once a year (laughs) oh wow uh yeah so it's hard um it's definitely takes some time I think there's obviously some like people that projects people get really excited about happens but I think at ours it's I haven't seen that experience as much 
Um, but luckily for the most part with just our reputation of the company, like in projects we come up with, people do get really excited and then we move on quickly, but mm-hmm. um, it's rare to get like a, let's do this. Let's yeah. Full <laughs> steam ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine how many pitches, how many pitches there are every day, you know, for like all these different productions yeah. that right. just never get made. But I mean, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Exactly. And they're hearing the same thing. Like right. there's times where it's like after F boy Island came out, it's kind of like, there goes through those points where like, okay, yeah. now everyone wants their F boy Island. Right. So obviously right. everyone's right. pitching their F boy Island. Yeah. So there's definitely times like that. I remember, especially when um, Floor is Lava came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone was uh, like, what's our Floor is Lava? And yeah. it was just like, so definitely that is like a theme that you know, I was like, why don't we like pivot and do something yeah. else? <laughs> Make something new. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really different. The yeah. industry does glom onto successful yeah. things, yeah. right? So yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So do you have any moments from your career that are either a favorite moment or a moment where you're like, I can't believe this is what I get to do for a living? Yeah. A moment I'm really proud of is working on the Friends reunion. I yeah, think that's, that was really that's cool. Because cool. that was like, I love I love Friends growing up, but I wouldn't I wouldn't call myself like a Friends fanat- fanatic yeah. like some people. But like being on that show and like the like reception it got after was so rewarding because it was like such a precious, you know, yeah name that you're like oh we have to do this right so many people love it yeah and then once it came out and people did really love it like that was just like so rewarding and then just kind of like I'm proud of my like trajectory like I but like I was working at in and out when I first moved out here and like selling (laughs) tobacco as like just to make means and now I'm like oh like I'm doing pretty good yeah my younger self would be very proud of my yes. present self. So I think that's always exciting. <laughs> yeah. Part of the reason we love doing this show is we get to talk to people at all levels of the industry. And so it's great to talk to to people like you who are really in the thick of it and like on their way up and like yeah. figuring it out. Because I think that's so helpful for people who want to get into the industry to hear like, yeah, this is what it takes. This is, a, yeah. you know, like yeah. this is real versus, you know, people at the top are super helpful and super great. But, you know, it's been a while since they've gone through that process and things change so quickly. So, yeah, it's cool to hear, too, just for people to hear, like, all the different avenues to take. Yeah, and there's so many. And that's why I think I was told and I always tell people it's like, don't compare yourselves to anyone's route. Like, literally, everyone has such a different path. Like, none of my friends and I have the same path. Like, I remember when I moved out here and everyone was getting these jobs because like the kind of classic route is you start an agency right. or you're like a piano show. And I had all these friends like straight out of college that like we're at CAA, WME, UTA. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I was like giving tours at Paramount, but like looking back, I wouldn't change any of it because yeah. it's like, it's got me to where I am. I've met yeah. the people that I've met and I've like accumulated such good people in my life from yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and that's just, yeah, I think people, it's like, just don't compare yourself. Like just everyone has their own path. It's like, exactly, as long as yeah. you have some type of goal, you're kind and you're willing to like put yourself out there, like it will work out. Do you want to ask about the Friends reunion? How long was that process of getting that made? Because you had to coordinate all those actors, which is monumental yeah. to me, <laughs> coordinate their schedules. Yeah, I think it was a few years in the process of convincing the cast to do it. I think they were all very hesitant. Yeah, And I'm one of the partners of the company, um, Ben Winston, who's also an EP on The Late Late Show. He had a big hand in that. Like he 
Um, I think it was someone from like HBO or Warner Brothers that came to him. And then he kind of was meeting with them all individually. And like, it took a couple of years. And I remember even pre, because we had it like in motion pre-COVID. Okay. And then I remember that like finally like coming about and then like obviously COVID happened and like, it was like, oh gosh. And then it was like our first (laughs) show we made right out of COVID as soon as we could. Yeah. Um, which was a challenge in itself. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. It took a few years, definitely. But once everyone was on board, um, everyone was very on board. And they were all so lovely. And it was cool seeing yeah. them all be together yeah. and how close they are. That was really cool. Fantastic. Well, you already gave us a bunch of good advice, Rihanna. But what other good advice do you have for folks who either want to get into the industry and work in development or just get into the industry in general? I feel like it's like the classic thing to say, but I think networking is so big. Mm-hmm. It's scary. It, it can be scary and intimidating, but I think more people in the industry are willing to help than people think they are. Um, and people love talking about themselves. So even just like, <laughs> hey, love your job and what you do. I'd love to pick your brain. Like people are mostly going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially now in like a Zoom culture, it's so easy to hop on a phone call, even a phone call or a Zoom. And then if they're willing to meet in person, even better. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think that's just the biggest thing. It's like, I think getting to LA, like being in here is helpful. I know like some people, it's obviously hard and it's hard with means and financial means. Mm-hmm. But if you can get to LA, it's much easier to find a job once you're here yeah. because sometimes you can be on like a staff me up or an entertainmentcareers.net and you'll see people looking for jobs like tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So obviously if you're here, it's like, oh, okay, great. And it's like, yeah. yeah. And then just also like not being like, you know, feeling above anything. Like so many people are constantly making career changes and they might be like, oh, I'm above getting coffee. I'm above being an assistant, but it's like, no, you're not like, it takes time. You have to put in the work, be that PA, but like be the best PA or like be that assistant, be the best assistant. And that goes a long way. If you have a dream, like follow it. That's why LA is great. You know, it's like people are here to like pursue something. And again, hard work goes a long way. Positive attitude goes a long way and you can make it happen. Let's get to our featured film. Today, we're discussing the 2022 comedy drama Triangle of Sadness. It was written and directed by Ruben Oslin, and it stars Harrison Dickinson, Dolly D. Leon, Woody Harrelson, and Charlotte B. Dean. It was nominated for three Oscars, including Best Picture. So, Susan, can you give us a quick breakdown? What is this movie about? Yes, so this movie is in three acts. Act one, we meet Carl and Yaya, they're two models, which starts out in this very awkward male model casting call. And then uh, we meet Carl, he's off to dinner with his girlfriend Yaya, they have a huge fight over money, which seems like a pretty big source of tension in the relationship. Mm-hmm. She's an influencer, so she gets a lot of stuff for free, and including what brings us into our next act, she gets this free luxury cruise, which is full of just the strangest uber rich people you can think of all these everyone's a character on this ship we also see a lot of the staff on the ship and also the levels of the staff so we see like the front facing sort of staff who deal with the guests and then we see the the people who do the cleaning and the resetting of everything in the dining room and the rooms and i think they do a really good job of just showing the levels on the yacht yep. from the guest down to the people who are um, kind of expected to do a lot of the work unseen um and then Disaster strikes this yacht a couple different ways, but the one that really destroys it is... Spoilers. Yeah, we are going to do some spoilers. So if you haven't watched the movie, pause it, go watch the movie and come back. But um, some pirates come and they 
throw a, gr- a grenade onto the yacht and blow it up. And some of the guests make it and are then stranded on an island for the third act of the movie, which gets increasingly strange. <laughs> so we'll talk about more of the ending and everything, I'm sure, while we're discussing it. But that's a brief o- overview. Yes. Of the structure. <laughs> so Rihanna, you chose this movie for us to watch today. Why did you choose Triangle of Sadness? I chose Triangle of Sadness because it was one of my favorite movies that came out last year. Yeah. <laughs> was the last, what year is it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it feels so. um, that and everything everywhere all at once. Yes. Yeah. Which, I, yeah. I love weird movies. Mm-hmm. And I think this was a good weird movie. And yeah. I like the writer director of it. He's done another movie I really like called Force Majeure. Okay. And I just like the tension of it. I think it's weird. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's ridiculous. Anything that's shocking, and there's a lot yeah. of shocking stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, so I just always had a lot of fun with it, and I like um, hearing how other people react to yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I just I love that movie. It's definitely going to be on my like top ten now moving yeah. forward. <laughs> that's great. You are correct. This movie is weird and it is shocking. Yeah. <laughs> I walked into it without knowing anything because that's how I prefer to walk into movies, yeah. and. You know, I expected like a sad movie and it, I mean, parts There's, of it are, are yeah. very sad, but um, it's, it's not what I expected. <laughs> First of all, we got to talk about the main characters because the models, the models, yeah. and then we'll get into the, the ship. The models, I, first of all, I don't like these characters as people <laughs> like they, they just fight constantly. Yeah. They're very annoying. Um, But then when they start interacting with all the super rich people on the ship and it's just everybody's insane yeah and the second act of this movie is like a study in the crescendo of insanity i had no idea what to expect and at the end of it with the dining room scene i was laughing with how absurd (laughs) this movie is i was like what is happening in this film and then the third act is just wild because it's these acts are so different from each Mm -hmm. other it's like you're watching a different movie altogether Yeah. And it was just so fascinating to watch this. And I mean, this was nominated for Best Picture. So like a lot of people really understood the film enough to nominate it. It won other awards um, outside of the Oscars, too. It was pretty critically acclaimed. Yeah. So, but I mean, I enjoyed it for how insane it was, even though I did not like the characters. At the same time, it's like this movie is really about like class, right? About like, you know, the people at the top, Mm -hmm. rich people who are throughout this movie totally inept. (laughs) They don't know how to do anything Um, and what you have to do to sort of like get in that level, Mm -hmm. right? So there's like these people at the bottom who are working. And then I love in act three with the role reversal, right? Of who's in charge. But Susan, what did you think? Yeah, same thing. So I I had heard a little bit about this movie before going into it. I just hadn't got around to watching it yet. I heard comparisons like White Lotus and some other things. Mm, but yeah. yeah, again, no, I did not expect, especially the dining room scene and how bizarre it got and the conversation between Woody Harrelson's character and that Russian guy being <laughs> on the PA over these people just like losing their bowels. It's <laughs> 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 like such a crazy contrast. So yeah, I it was not what I expected at all. But yeah, even though I didn't really love the characters, it didn't make it less enjoyable to watch. Like I still wanted to see what was going to happen next. So yeah, there were times when I was like, this is like a bizarro Wes Anderson with these characters. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 totally. <laughs> Yeah, when they in when the second act started by the crew chanting yes to like whatever they want, just give yeah. them yes, yes, yes. And it's like, and they're all in it for the money, of course, right? Because they're working on a ship. But 
like that to me, I was like, uh-oh, we're going to have trouble because mm-hmm. if, if they can only say yes, and yes. of course they do, right? And yeah. that's why everything goes wrong. I love that scene was really interesting because they were all shouting, ch- chanting yes. And in the background and they kind of cut back and forth was the people cleaning, right? you know? So right. I thought that visual was really good of showing like, these are all the front facing people getting pumped about doing whatever these like super rich people want. And right. then there's, you know, the people in the background that we're doing no the work. really noticing. Yeah. 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 That was really well done. Yeah. Comparing it to um, like how unscripted reacts to movies yeah. like that. It's interesting because a big theme, I think recently out of White Lotus, Triangle Sadness were these like upstairs, downstairs shows. Yes. 100%. And yeah. A lot of like UK shows were doing it. We were even trying to develop a show that came out of it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like it is the industry does do that where it's yeah. like this is a really popular scripted movie or something in the zeitgeist. How can we make a reality show version of that? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, that's always like a fun thing. And I love an upstairs, downstairs yeah. thing, anything. Yeah. Have you watched Below Deck? Yes. Yeah. That like <laughs> I definitely saw some things where I was like, ah, oh, I kind of yeah. know about that already because I watched Below Deck. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I did not stay, keep Below up Deck on all is your a reality ship knowledge. show about a crew that works on a luxury yacht. If anyone's yeah. not familiar with it, but <laughs> it doesn't get this extreme on that reality show, but at least that you see on camera. But yeah, yeah. maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Do we want to talk about the ending? Yes, we okay. got to talk about the ending. Yeah. yeah. All right. So again, spoilers. But let me ask you this, Rihanna. What do you think happened at the end of this film? Because it is gray right they don't tell you exactly what happened but what do you think happened um in my mind sadly i think she killed her yeah. <laughs> i think so too yeah because like why wouldn't you in a way mm-hmm. you know like you get it because she's like thriving where she right. wasn't before so right. it's like sad as it is you're like kind of like i kind of get it because yeah. that's society pushes us <laughs> yeah and yaya's character i mean she starts to say like you know i can help when yaya thinks she's getting back to her old life she's like you know i can help you and then her next sentence is like you can work for me as my assistant yeah, like yeah. oh that was the wrong thing to say yeah see character's face like the rage in it and like the tears and like yeah and then the last shot is carl running and being upset so is that because they came back and told him that Yaya died or is he running from her? Like, what do you think that is? I un, like interpreted that as like, once he found out they went together, like, I think he knew that she would be hurt. Yeah. So like, he was like running to try and like interfere. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's how I interpreted it. Like he got a bad, he always had a bad feeling from the beginning when they took off yeah. together. And it just, he kind of got to a point where he's like, I have to go make sure she's safe. That's interesting. I interpret that as she came back and told him that Yaya was dead. And then he just freaked out. Yeah, that's possible too. Yeah. I was reading about this movie after we watched it and the director had his interpretation. And then he said someone watched it and told him like, they interpreted that as his, him running to try to get like his manly his masculinity back because he had Hmm. lost it in the power dynamic of the island so he was just running just you know as a reaction to that and he's like maybe he's like he's like i didn't really you know i didn't do the ending on purpose because i want you to make up your own yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, which i think is cool yeah that's fun he's like i want you to see yourself in the characters and decide what you think is the what should happen or like who do you relate to do you see why things cap in a certain way which is always interesting yeah well do you guys have a favorite scene in this film I like the chaos of the 
everyone being sick. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like, it's just like, especially being in a theater watching that, like everyone's just like, oh my God, like just witnessing yeah. her reaction um, where I was just laughing hysterically. I, I do love that scene. Yes. He did such a good job just continually to take that scene to the next level. Like yes. he could have stopped it so much sooner and it would have been like, oh, that was kind of gross, but he just like made it outrageous, yes. which I think was good i think that was a good choice because it just took the movie to a different level yeah, yeah. i mean i was surprised and, when one person threw up from like from going on but then it it goes so much further than that to the point where things are getting gross on toilets yes. and i mean it really uh, goes over the yeah. top straight into the absurd right yeah. but i agree that was my favorite scene mm -hmm. Did, what do you think susan yeah i agree that and i also the scene shortly after that where the older couple who got rich making weapons, you know, <laughs> like weapons, like for war, uh, a, the grenade lands on the deck and she, the woman picks up and goes, Oh, you think, is this one of ours? And then boom, <laughs> like thought that was pretty funny, like a yeah. dark joke, but yeah, the dining room scene, ridiculous. And then again, the contrast of everything that was happening on screen with the voice over pretty much of yeah. Woody Nelson and the Russian guy talking about Marxism. Yeah. <laughs> <Pure> chaos. Yeah. <laughs> it's so wild because like there was already chaos on the boat and then they just threw in pirates for like a second. This is a reason for the, right. I mean, but they didn't really need that. Cause the, I mean, if everyone's, you know, if the boat's already falling apart, the boat yeah. could still crash. Yeah. I but, guess, it, I don't know. Maybe it was just another contrast of like class. Yeah. Like now these pirates are here to steal all their stuff and then the boat explodes. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course. Well, More heightening. All right. So yeah. this is one of those movies that you don't just like throw on while you're doing laundry and like having in the yeah. background. So who do you recommend this to, Rihanna? Um, That's a good question. I think I always like, I recommend it to everyone. I remember making my mom watch it <laughs> because <laughs> she's like a, a, a mix where I'm like, she was either going to hate this or she'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and luckily she really enjoyed it to my surprise. But yeah, I think it's just like, I'm like, it's just a funny, weird movie. And I think when people are just like wanting something a little different, I'm like, just try this. But yeah, it's like a Friday night, Saturday night, just throw it on, enjoy it either with a friend or by yourselves. Um, it's fun to have someone to kind of laugh with. Yeah. Totally. Co-viewing thing. Um, but it's it's definitely not for everyone. Yeah. I know people that didn't like it um, and I don't trust them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do also tell people um, if they do like it or even if they want to explore it to watch his other movie, Force Majeure, yeah. it's in Swedish, I think. But okay. um, cool. it's it's different. It's the same in the sense that I think the movie's really good at like, especially that first act where it's just like conversational, like tension mm -hmm. and it's just people talking. And that's like how the first, the Force Majeure movie is. It's this relationship with the family and the whole movie is like it starts with this like incident and then it's just all of the fallout after that yeah between this like couple and it's just really fun yeah and that one's a little more palatable <laughs> um in the sense <laughs> you're not seeing people vomiting right <laughs> violent cases of seasickness or food poisoning yeah right right <laughs> well i'll have to check that out because i haven't seen that movie this is the first movie i've ever seen from this director yeah i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna recommend this movie to my mom uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling we're gonna need a bigger boat in honor of triangle sadness we're gonna see how well both of you know films featuring boats and ships so rihanna you're be playing against susan 
So here are the rules. I'm going to read you the title of a well-known movie featuring a boat or a ship, but not the whole title. One word will be left out, and you have to fill it in by shouting it out. You'll earn a point if you're correct, and if you're incorrect, the other player will get a chance to answer. I have nine movies for you to identify, and the person with the most points at the end will win our prize. So, Susan, what's our prize? Some Life in the Credits merchandise, like a shirt or a mug, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Very high stakes. <laughs> Indeed. All right, Rihanna, are you ready to play? Yes. Susan? Yes. All right, here's your first movie okay. featuring a boat or ship. Blank of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Pirates. Pirates. Yes. Okay. Susan got it with one. Uh, <laughs> Good job. Number two, Forrest Blank. Gump. Yes, oh, Rihanna. Excellent. That does feature a boat. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> very, very crucial boat. Number three, The Blank for Red October. Hunt. Yes, Rihanna. Very good. That's two points. I need to get my brain in the game. Number four, master and blank. Commander. Yes. Two to two. Tied up. Number five, blank of pie. Life. Yes, Rihanna. (laughs) Excellent. All right. Number six, we're getting close. It scores three to two. Okay. Number six, gentlemen prefer blank. Blondes. Yes. Susan. That was close. Tied up at three. Yeah. All right, number seven. The Blank Storm. Perfect. Yes, Rihanna. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Oh, it's pretty good, George. Yeah, yeah that's a yeah. good one. That's a good uh, storm movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's a movie that you remember. That's a good one. Yeah. All right, four to three. Okay. Rihanna's in the lead. We have two more. Okay. So, Rihanna, if you get the next one, you win. <gasps> All right, number eight. Blank on the Nile. Murder? I'm sorry, that's not Is correct, Susan. Death? Yes. Oh, almost. It's death on the Nile. Good guess, though. Okay. All right, so here's the deal. Four to four. It's four to four. Oh, my God, this is this intense. Is oh, yeah. We have one movie left. Okay. It's number nine. Here it is. The Life Blank with Steve Zissou. Aquatic? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> we watched that movie like two months ago, too. Yep, we know. did. But... Well done, Rihanna. That is a win. Nice job, Rihanna. Yeah. Congratulations. That was a good game. I like winner's tension until the end. Yeah, my palms are sweaty. (laughs) Well, well done. You pulled it out. Before we let you go, Rihanna, is there anything that you would like to plug? If you ever see a show coming out that Full Well 73 produces, (laughs) you should watch it. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you so much for doing the show. Yeah, this was awesome. We appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan Swarner. And me, Ben Bloom. It's executive produced by Michelle Levin. The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrowbridgeSounds.com. The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin. If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at Patreon.com. If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits or shoot us an email at lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. It's definitely not for everyone. I know people that didn't like it um, and I don't trust them.